Hello world. Welcome back to my one-person podcast, The Bible Abridged. Today's episode is brought to you by Dietin Barbershop. It's a barbershop in Brooklyn, and they cut my hair. So if you want to look as good as me, just go there and get your hair cut. If you're saying to yourself, well, sir, I don't know what you fucking look like, so what the hell? Well, go there and get your hair cut anyways. Joshua 1. So last I left you, Moses had just died after climbing his 120-year-old ass up a mountain. And then after he died, he gave himself quite the eulogy. Now Joshua was in charge, and either God or a voice in his head told him to go and cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. If you remember, Moses couldn't because he hit a rock with a stick 38 years earlier, right after his brother died. So Joshua got all the tribal leaders ready and psyched up and had them pack up the provisions and got them to say things like, We're with you no matter what you say, and... If anyone doesn't do what you say, we'll fucking kill them. Joshua 2. Well, Joshua sent a couple of spies from my favorite town name ever, Shittim. Now, some of you might argue it's actually pronounced Shittim, but I don't care. These two spies from Shittim went to go check out the city of Jericho and the surrounding area. It's important to note that Jericho was a real place. It had the world's tallest building for about 5,000 years called the Tower of Jericho. It was built over 10,000 years ago. It was shorter than the building that I currently live in. It was pretty tall for its time taller than I think I've ever built. Well, these spies did what you could probably imagine they did, and that's, uh, they went and found a super chill sex worker named Rahab and spent some quality time with her. Apparently, the king of Jericho figured out these guys were Israelite spies, as they'd probably worked up a pretty good reputation for themselves as an unstoppable force to be reckoned with. So he sent a message telling Rahab to turn these guys in. But for some reason, she decided to betray her hometown and quite possibly the only city she'd ever known. And she hid the spies in some flax stalks as she was drying out on her roof and told the guards, Hurry, they left the city right before you got here. I bet you can still catch them. And the guards got all harumphed up and went and tried to chase these guys down. Well, then she went on her roof and talked to her flax stalks piles, as one does. For those of you wondering what the hell I'm talking about, flax is a material that they use to make linen. And apparently, when you dry it out, you make a little tent out of it. And it dries out for a long time, so it's a very logical place to hide somebody. She said, I've heard about your people and your crazy-ass God. People here are terrified of you. So I've decided to help you in hopes you'll spare my family when you ruthlessly slaughter my entire city. If you remember Balaam from a few episodes ago, it doesn't always work out that way for people, even if they support the Israelites and their God. Well, they decided to show her some compassion for whatever reason, but probably because she's sexed their bods so good told her to hang a red rope out of her window and get her entire family into her home because anyone on the streets is going to get fucking slaughtered. Then they said if she snitches on them, she was going to fucking die with the rest of the city. She said that was fair. The spies quietly escaped her house and went and hid out the hills for three days before returning, being like, dude, these people are fucking terrified of us. Let's kill them all. Joshua 3. Well, the next morning, the Israelites started moving towards the Jordan River. Officers were going through the crowd and telling people to stay a whole kilometer away from the Ark at all times, but still be following it. It actually says 2,000 cubits, but that's a little under a kilometer, a little over half a mile, but they were supposed to follow it. Think about following something about the size of a coffin from a fucking half a mile away. Well, then everyone had to consecrate themselves and wash up real good. I'm not sure what the people with crushed testicles did or people who were so brazen as to be born mixed race, but it seems like every single person was moving on this one. Then they sent one person from each tribe to go stand in the river, and they brought the Ark of the Covenant in. When the priests carrying the Ark put their feet in the water, it just dried up immediately. 
And even in flood season, is what the narrator says. As if it wouldn't be impressive the major river for that area to suddenly dried up any time of the year. Also, imagine being like a Bedouin, trying to get water for his sheep or camels or whatever. You walk and walk through the hottest place on earth, or one of them anyways, and you finally get to the river, and it's overflowing, and you're like, hell yeah. And you get your stubborn-ass camels and your dumb-ass flocks of sheep up to the river, and suddenly, for reasons completely unknown to you, the river just fucking disappears. That would totally suck. And it would be for a while, too. Like, enough time for a million people to walk across it. Joshua 4. Well, once they finished crossing the river, they grabbed one different person from each tribe and had to go pick out stones from the dry riverbed. These are supposed to remind people that that had happened, in case they somehow forgot. Or maybe someone didn't believe them. Imagine if someone told you that they crossed the Hudson River on dry ground, and you said, no, you didn't. That's impossible. They just pulled out some completely regular, ordinary stone and said, oh, yeah? Where did they get this from then, huh? Well, actually, that's not what happened. They left the stones there at this place called Gilgal. And according to the narrator, they're still here to this day. But that was probably in reference to the person writing this, not us here reading it. Anyways, when the priests holding the Ark of the Covenant walked out on the riverbed, the river started flowing normally again, and I'm sure a lot of very confused people were suddenly soaking wet somewhere downstream. Well, Joshua reminded everyone that God did that, just like he did earlier, in case some of them thought that maybe it was a coincidence. Joshua 5. Well, the word spread throughout the area that rivers were getting dried up and everyone was scared the Israelites were going to come and murder them. And they're right to be scared because Israelites were coming to murder them. And then God told Joshua to, quote, make some flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So he did. And named the place of all this dick carving the Hill of Foreskins. And I imagine there are a lot of bloody foreskins there, so that name tracks. After all that dick carving, they celebrated Passover, and Joshua wandered off and talked to an angel disguised as a man who was just chilling off the distance with a sword out. The angel told Joshua to take his shoes off. Now, I would normally say if you encounter a man holding a weapon, tells you that he's a commander of God's army, and tells you to start taking articles of your clothing off, you should probably try your best to get the hell out of there, but I suppose here it was fine. Joshua 6. It literally doesn't say anything more about Joshua's experience with a guy who was supposedly an angel and also the commander of God's army. And also, wouldn't God be the commander of God's army? Like, does he need to delegate responsibility? Is there someone in heaven who knows warfare better than him? Well, either way, suddenly they're at the gates of Jericho, staring at the 28-foot tower, probably just having their minds blown by the sheer height of the thing. And they found that the, the gates were locked, so they couldn't just water in and kill everybody. They had to come up with a plan. Well, God came down to Joshua and said, I have a plan. Just, uh... Walk around the city for six straight days. Blow some trumpets made from ram horns. And on the seventh day, uh, walk around seven times. Then yell really loud. And? Joshua said. Oh. And then the fucking walls will collapse. Ah, makes sense. Then Joshua told his army, No war cries, no shouting, no shit talking. Don't say a fucking thing until I say so. He probably could have told them it would have been a week before they could talk again. After the second day or so, I'd be a little worried I'd, we'd missed our cues. Each day for six days, they'd just get up and walk around the city of Jericho, not saying anything but blowing ram horns and going back to their camp. And I'm, I'm sure everyone inside was just like, what the fuck is going on? On the seventh day, and this is a direct quote, they got up and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on this day, they circled the city seven times. And this is why proofreaders are important. 
Well, after the seventh rotation around Jericho was made, Joshua shouted, Shout! We're going to kill everyone inside the city and take all their stuff! And give to give to God, of course. Except the cool sex worker Rahab and her family. Take nothing for yourselves. Which seems like a lot to shout. Then the walls collapsed. The Israelites heroically charged it to murder every single man, woman, and child. As well as every cow, sheep, lamb, and donkey. Except Rahab and her family. Then they burned down the whole city and everything in it. Except the gold and silver and whatnot. That they gave to God. But since he couldn't be bothered, they put it in their treasury. Then Joshua cursed anyone who'd ever tried to rebuild the city. He said, if he lays down the foundations, his firstborn son will fucking die. If he rebuilds the gates, then his youngest son will fucking die. And the fact that Jericho has been rebuilt and sacked over a dozen times since then, but is still a functioning city in the West Bank today, makes me think there's been a lot of dead contractors' children, or maybe this curse just didn't take. And that's all I have for you today. Check back next week for more from Joshua. In the meantime, go get your hair cut at Dietin Barbershop.